0: Fearscape Media Network, exploring the unknown, one podcast at a time.
1: Hey everyone, Josh here from Fearscape Paranormal Podcast. Have you been to our website, fearscapepodcast.com? There you can check out our store with all of our awesome t-shirts, check out guests that have been on the show, listen to the podcast directly on the website, even donate and help us bring you awesome content. Please consider supporting us. FearscapePodcast.com
2: Hello there. My name is Sam.
1: And I'm the man with no name, Lance Wayne
2: and we're the hosts of The Antagonists, an all-villain podcast. You can join us every other Thursday for a new episode as we discuss all of your favorite villains from books,
3: movies, and more.
1: Are the villains you love to hate really as wicked as they seem? Tune in and find out.
2: You can find us on all major podcast platforms or join us over on FearscapeMedia.com.
0: Hello. I'm so glad you could join us. I hope you brought your blanket to hide under. The spooky crew is going to discuss things and events from other realms. Ghosts. Cryptids. Aliens. Be sure to hold your blanket extra tight as the boys take you deep. (laughs) Into the fearscape. fearscape, fearscape.
3: <laughs> Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another out-of-this world episode of Fearscape Paranormal Podcast. I am your host, astronaut Stefan Gearhart, joined as always by the hmm. What do how do I put this? The intriguing uh, and um, illegal alien co-host of mine, Josh Rutledge and illegal, not because he's from another country, but because he's from another planet called Transsexual Transylvania.
1: OK, I was wondering where that was going. I really don't want to get a knock on the door uh, by, you know, IMS or something. No, be-
3: what's funny is, is that, you know, everybody I'm, I moved to Arizona, of course, and my wife got a job at a place called international cruise ship excursions and they go by ice and so she wasn't thinking about it and she's telling everybody that she got an accounting job in arizona with ice (laughs) 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 so everybody's like what (laughs) what do you mean you're working for ice now (laughs) so i thought that was hilarious so yeah be careful josh my wife works for ice
1: (laughs) yeah yeah i don't want to don't want to tip her off or anything. No,
3: that's all Space Force is. They're just the ice of the stars.
1: Ice, Ice Force.
3: Ice, Ice (laughs) ice Force, baby. (laughs) Uh, No, uh, the reason we're making a lot of space jokes is that we have one hell of an episode for you guys tonight. We actually have ex-NASA astronaut Ken Johnston. Uh, This guy is one of NASA's most famous whistleblowers. Um, his principal claim to fame within the NASA-hating community is that he refused to follow orders and destroy an extensive collection of eight by ten glossy photo prints from the Apollo program when he was in charge of uh, all of the. Um, this was during the time of the Apollo uh, land or the Apollo program. He was in charge of the Lunar Receiving Laboratory, so he dealt with all the moon photographs, all the moon rocks, um, all of that stuff. And him, alongside people like Buzz Aldrin and stuff like that, who he Actually trained before he got into that. He he actually trained Neil and Buzz and those guys to go up to the moon. Uh, he was in charge of all of that. And he will tell you, as does Buzz, that there is photographic evidence of a lot more. On the, yeah. On the moon, that yep. we realize alien structures, all sorts of stuff. And he has these photos refused to have them destroyed when the uh, government came in and said, we need to get rid of the evidence. Um, right. So we're going to be talking yeah. to him and he is not shy about it. Um, He is also a distinguished author. He's written two books about it. His autobiography, uh, which is called Ken's Moon, Revealing the Dark Mission of NASA, as well as his second book, which is called Regression of a NASA Whistleblower. And uh, so this has a lot of uh, selections from his regression Uh, sessions that he did, this uh, hypnosis therapy session as a way to show, hey, look, this is legit and they did hypnosis and these are selections from that with commentary. So both of these books are fantastic and both can be found on Amazon.com. So before we get into talking to Ken, which we actually recorded this a few weeks ago, he's a pretty busy guy and uh, it was right before uh, I got the COVID. And so and then with our hundredth, all this Actually, I
1: I think it was... Like literally the night before you tested positive.
3: I think you're right. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it is because you night were because
1: you had just come. You were just coming back from Michigan, and you were like you were feeling horrible. And you're like I'm probably just tired from driving. <laughs> and then <laughs> foreshadow. <laughs>
3: so yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So we recorded this a few weeks ago, but um, this is still great. And uh, we, we cannot wait to share this with you. But we got our show. We still got to do. So yeah. let's go ahead and move into our first segment, which is the Psychic Word of the Week. And now, uh, the Psychic Word
1: of the Week. Psychic
3: Word of the Week. As usual, comes from the Encyclopedic Psychic Dictionary from June G. Bletzer, PhD. Rest in peace, Honey Bear. Uh, this, of course, was gifted to me by my favorite psychic friend who was also passed on, um, Barb and uh, J- Barbara Jordan. She was the bomb. Uh, anyways, we flip through this and we just randomly stop at a certain spot because it's, it, we're going to do bibliomancy because it's a psychic dictionary. And so this week, uh, the word, the phrase that I look down to, which again is odd, is gravity control. So here's what I have. This is what
1: um, this is what Major Tom was thinking about, right? Yeah,
3: this is exactly what Major Tom was talking about and ground control. So gravity control says to psychically release the force of gravity in an object or human move the person or object in a particular direction performed by intense concentration of the will intervention of the guides or magical skills occurs occurs. I can never say that word. How do you say occurs? Occurs oh, okay, it always sounds weird to me. All right,
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's not a beer. Hey, can you get me a course?
3: I'm too close to Colorado, man. It's, <laughs> it's gonna be course. All right, so let me continue on. Occurs in an aware or trance state of consciousness. Suggested theories are this one to neutralize or reverse the action of gravity in a person or object. Two, to change the rate of vibration of the object by concentrating on the auric field of the object until the atoms are weightless, changing the object to antimatter. If the normal influence of gravity is removed, the object will then move easily. Three, to change the rate of time flow throughout the substance, which makes a weight loss. Four, to change the molecular structure of the object or body until object or body is invisible in its ethereal form, gravity is dissipated and object or body rises. Five, to move the matter faster than the speed of light. This takes the matter out of the third dimension where gravity prevails, executed by subconscious mind or guides. Six, to allow the guide to intervene when in a trance state and use body ectoplasm to lift the object or medium in the air. Seven, to allow one's guide to nullify the normal gravitational effect and raise the object or medium. Eight, uh, this is in parentheses law of mimicry, to simulate the object moving off of the ground. So quite a bit to unpack there. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> but I, essentially, basically, what it what it seems to me is just being able to fly or float is essentially what it all boils down to. And It makes me immediately think of um, oh, what's that uh, illusionist's name? That,
1: that oh, thing? yeah, yeah I, know, I know who you're talking about yeah, David, keep, Blaine. David, David Blaine. David Blaine. He,
3: yep. he, he, one of his big things is floating for a few yeah. seconds. Like that's one of his big things. So,
1: um, something time. else that really struck me odd about the, the the opening part of that definition is that it talks about um, gravity uh, not being like a person or a thing not being affected by gravity, mm-hmm. but by it almost having its own gravity. Right. And so it makes you wonder if like, um, do we and other things have our own gravity and that's what really helps keep us planted on the earth? And if we could figure out a way to reduce our own gravity could we in fact levitate or float
3: i don't know uh, you know it also slightly moves into the hollow earth theory where they talk about in the hollow earth gravity is lighter because inside produces its own gravity right um and things like that and so um those that are heavier um and this was in um I remember Lemuria, uh, Richard Shaver, who we're going to be talking about in the next week or so. Um, it talks about that, that people that were overweight loved to go there because they felt weightless, which is also talked about in 2001, A Space Odyssey, like when they're on the moon, that a lot of overweight people love to visit the moon because the gravity is lighter and so they don't feel as heavy.
1: Hmm. Something else that, and this is really off topic, but uh, that had me thinking today, or I've actually been thinking about it a lot over the last several weeks, is what if Earth is a um, is a uh, a beryllium sphere? Um, am I using the right word there? Yeah. Is that what it is? Where it's like a structure built around a sun? To, I believe to, so. Yeah. Yeah. So so if it's that, and then over the time, uh, life developed on the surface of the structure as opposed to just inside the structure. Mm-hmm. So like, what if our sun used to have a twin star, and they built. The Earth around the sun, the, the mm-hmm. twin sun.
3: Mm-hmm. Now we're getting into Tatooine, the double sun. There, no. What <laughs> if? What if we're completely wrong? And and no, we don't have our own gravity center. Just some people instead of having oxygen in their bloodstream, have helium in their bloodstream, or hydrogen.
1: Possible, or <laughs> arg- or argon. That's why they're with the argon. Or,
3: or or oh yeah, could be argon, man. <laughs> <sighs> blue Uh, but yeah so essentially that's she's got different versions uh using one term for the same thing overall so essentially uh you could say that somebody like superman would have gravity control david blaine would then if if what he's doing is legit is gravity control um you know many different things as well as like you know they talked about the etheric body um you know levitation itself is just yeah that's um very, very interesting, so all right, well, let's get moving on then, and let's get into a little bit of spooky news cause this one's crazy. All right, so uh, this bit of spooky news is kind of kind of sad and messed up. um comes from uh, the where I found it was a Fox affiliate. Um, But the uh, the headline reads, Florida deputy performs exorcism on child instructs another to shoot anyone who enters demon filled home. That's right. Okay, then. (laughs) No surprise that it's in Florida. Uh, Christopher, sorry, Florida listeners. Uh, Christopher Dougherty was fired from the Orange County Sheriff's Office and arrested on child abuse charges. Uh, so it says a now former sheriff's deputy in Florida was arrested Sunday after allegedly performing an exorcism on a child and telling another there were demons in his home and to shoot anyone who entered. Uh, Christopher Dougherty, 37, was arrested on child abuse allegations the same day he was fired from the Orange County Sheriff's Office on an unrelated manner, uh, matter, according to the agency. He has worked with the sheriff's office since 2006. Deputies responded Thursday to a 911 call about a residential alarm and determined there was evidence of child abuse at the apartment occupied by Dougherty. A girl wearing body armor and a Kevlar helmet was lying on the ground in a shooting position with a rifle. A boy armed with a taser and Dougherty was in possession of a handgun, the Orlando Sentinel reported, citing the arrest affidavit. The children told investigators Dougherty performed an exorcism on the boy before telling the girl that there were demons in the home and directing her to shoot anyone who entered the home. Dougherty was detained and taken to a hospital where he was held under the Baker Act, a Florida law enabling those determined likely to inflict harm to themselves or others to receive emergency mental health services. He was arrested Sunday after his release. Dougherty was also terminated from the Orange County Sheriff's Office Sunday for an unsatisfactory performance finding in a separate matter, the agency said. While this deputy was terminated for a pattern of unsatisfactory performance, these are very serious criminal allegations, says Sheriff John Mina. Uh, As law enforcement officers, we are held to the highest standards of conduct, conduct, whether on duty or off. But we are also concerned with the deputy's mental health. The relationship between Dougherty and the two children remain unclear. Hmm. (laughs) Okay, so they, these two kids apparently are randos, and uh, this was a pretty recent story, so there's no update on it yet, Um, but very, very interesting. Like, I want to know more. I want to know, like, why he thought the kid was, like, right. d- like, where these kids came from. Like, what's going on here? This is a crazy story.
1: I mean, did he, like, open a Craigslist ad? You know, it was like, you know, will, you know, half-price, you know, demonic possession, you know whatever it's called
3: right totally did, did he buy robert the doll from you know the osbornes <laughs> like what's happening here um but yeah and like what's crazy to me is the little girl who's got the body armor and the helmet with a gun at the door i'm like oh my god
1: and you said you said this is in florida right
3: yeah oh yeah this is uh, i'm pretty sure orlando if i recall i think orange county okay is uh, well, orlando
1: i mean I if you were to tell me it was in, like, Maryland or Iowa, I'd be like, eh, you know, that's pretty shocking news, but you said Florida, so...
3: Yeah, I know. I think what's shocking about it is that it's a sheriff's deputy. Like, I think that's the the issue there, and just kind of shows you how um, there needs to be a lot more vetting with our police going mm-hmm. on, going forward. I mean, this guy's got two kids kidnapped and Lord, and gave, gave a little girl a gun, so... Well, and
1: what's surprising is is that he had body armor that fit her.
3: (laughs) We don't know that it's fitter because I imagine (laughs) she's like six and she's got this giant helmet on and this big (laughs) floor. Though she was probably like 17. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But I imagine she's like six.
1: He's like, let me go into my body armor closet and see if I've got something you can wear.
3: Looking so. like uh, Goldie Hawn in that famous picture where she's got the, um, the the army helmet on, yeah, and all that stuff. That's what I imagine. So, <laughs> but yeah, that's the spooky news for the week. Like I said, it's it's kind of spooky because the none of the articles that I found even remotely talked about why this guy thought the kid was like. I mean, they just focused on the mental illness part of it all yeah and i'm like you know if everything that we've seen it's like what if this dude was right <laughs> you know <laughs> like that's that's the question i like us paranormal investigators always got to ask is well, what 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 if this kid yeah, how really? this kids out there at some like foster home like like giving demons to everybody like candy
1: you know, it's Demon Day. so it's look, Demon everybody, Day. Everybody come get your demons. It's Demon Day.
3: Hi, hey, y'all. It's me.
0: It's the Jersey Devil. <laughs> I got some demons for y'all.
3: All right. I'm over that. Okay. Uh, let's go ahead and get into the UAP chatting of the week. All right, UAP sighting of the week, unidentified aerial phenomenon. What do we got this week, Josh? What have you found on the interwebs?
1: Yeah, so we're going all the way back to uh, to Halloween.
3: Ooh, it was so long ago.
1: Um, well, it was also you know the big full moon. I mean, it was a great Halloween. It was
3: perfect yeah. Halloween. Yeah.
1: Um, but uh, so this happened at uh, on Halloween night at seven uh, thirty. Uh, PM in this from
3: uh, Cobb Island, Maryland. Oh, so it's from Maryland. So we're like, okay. (laughs) Uh,
0: Looking at the sky westbound from Westmoreland um, and towards Cobb Island, seeing a large glistening object in the sky, shining about 100 lights all over it. It wasn't moving at first. But as soon as we started videotaping it, it started flying east. Then it completely vanished. Then it completely vanished.
3: That's it. That's it. Oh man, you left me. You left it all anticlimactic. Or I mean, very <laughs> like climactic i was like what's gonna happen next yeah. <laughs> uh, i was waiting for it, like and then all of a sudden there were demons coming out of the sky uh no not to discount that sighting because that was good uh, but yeah that's the scariest part is when you're watching something and if you see that sucker disappear like we did like yeah. that's extra frightening to me
1: i actually uh i saw one i won't get into a creepy ketchup.
3: <laughs> All right, good cuz I don't have any creepy catch up this week. Um but yeah, like that that's that's my crazy thing there. It's like, you know, that's 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 the frightening part for me is when you can't keep your eye on something. Yep. You know, like if it goes out of the horizon, it's different cuz you're like, okay, I'm still flying around. But if it's right. like, blinks out in front of you, it's the same thing with ghosts and spirits and cryptids and things like that. If they just poof out in front of you, it's Right. I don't know. There's something extra scary about that to me. Um, but thank what you.
1: It, what's like, is is it still there, but you just can't see it?
3: Right. Yeah. Has my eyes like readjusted or something? Right. That's what. Yeah. That's a freak. Or with the UAP, it's like, did it just go into camo mode? Like, what, <laughs> you know, <Yeah. laughs> is it like sitting right above us, but we can't hear it? <laughs> Quick. Right. Exactly. Pointer. Get the laser pointer.
1: It's like, you know, it, and actually it landed in the yard and there's alien yeah. creatures walking up to you right now. Yeah. So.
3: <laughs> you just gotta look behind me, man, at all times. <laughs> Don't trust your camera. That's all I'm saying.
1: I swear, uh, if there was a if there was a door back there in your kitchen, I would totally get Sarah to come in one day dressed. Well, there's the a side
3: door of right me. here. On I know, the side but of me.
1: But you'd hear her coming in.
3: That's true. That's true. I love her. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's get. Since you got some creepy ketchup, let's go ahead and move into creepy ketchup. Creepy ketchup.
0: Creepy
3: catch up. creepy catch up.
0: creepy catch up. Y'all, it's creepy. All
3: right. Uh, so, like I said, I'm surprisingly. I, I've been really busy this week, though. Too. We've been finally kind of really legit unpacking, and I started a new job and things like that. And so things kind of got really busy. So I've just just been kind of like, all right, let's put this box away and go to sleep. <laughs> so, yeah. not really had a whole lot going on. um just a lot of beautiful. I'm really digging Arizona. I've said it. I have not seen any uh, UFOs since that uh, one we talked about. But what do you got going on?
1: Um. So I went to pick up my kids from school today, and oh, that uh, is scary. It is because you know it's like a nice calm day, and then I go get my kids. But <laughs> um, <laughs> so I was sitting in line, uh, you know, just listening to the radio, and I see this, uh, this like. I don't know. I'll say craft because I'm not really sure what it is, but it's this blackish craft moving across the sky directly in front of me. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't really look like an airplane. It doesn't really look like a helicopter. I rolled my window down. I couldn't hear anything. To my knowledge, uh, no no one else in line uh, saw it or acknowledged it or anything. And so I just kind of tracked it across the sky. And it was really good because there were clouds behind it. And so, like, you could clearly make it out as visible across the sky. But, like, you know, an airplane has that, you know, that signature, the tail, right, on an airplane. And so, mm-hmm. if you see a side profile of an airplane, if it's a small plane, you see, you know, sometimes it's the wheel sticking down. If it's something, you know, or, or at least, but at least regardless of what it is, you see the tail. I saw no tail. And, again, black craft against a white backdrop of that was a cloud. So, I tracked it across the sky. And um, got to a certain point, and it disappeared. Mm. It didn't fly in behind a cloud because there was no clouds in front of it. It just disappeared. Couldn't like I tried, you know, like tracking the path where it was going to see if it would reappear. Nothing. It just it just vanished. Mm. And we do get a lot of buzzards out here, so I thought, well, maybe it was a buzzard, but it was it was like flying a really straight line. And honestly, it looked bigger and farther away than a buzzard. So, hmm, interesting. yeah, I don't know. I, I pulled up my little airplane app and I couldn't find anything that was close to where I saw anything. Um, actually, you know, I've got the two airplane apps. And I couldn't find anything. So I don't know. I'm going to chop it up to either an undocumented airplane that I just couldn't find in the app, which, I mean, I guess if it's like a government airplane, maybe they don't submit. Right. Their yeah. Transponder that's
3: something we haven't thought about. Yeah.
1: So it's either that or you know truly in a uap
3: yeah Uh, that's like the mandalorian he doesn't submit his transponder either
1: that's right yeah he does Uh, ping though he he does he
3: does ping it um yeah it's making me think because you know i'm near the uh luke air force base here i mean i'm not near it it's legit on the other side of town but it's like i see a lot of stuff and so now immediately my first thought is is this military stuff, especially after, you know, the Phoenix lights episode. Mm -hmm. And they talk about how, you know, the, the Luke air force base and all those say, Oh, it was the, but I mean, it's like the last two days I've seen a number. I think my wife and I saw like five helicopters, like military uh, helicopters Mm -hmm. flying in formation together. Um, But like on my side of the town, same thing. We saw like um, three sets of jets because they were in pairs. Um, flying and stuff like that and so you know but again military right so it's like i can't you know i can't say anything i just you know i don't trust i don't trust the air force anymore not after everything we've been learning i don't trust you guys
1: well and and again i mean i i I feel like i remember i think i said this before but um it's really odd that the new uap task force is stood up by the navy now i understand for anybody that is a navy person out there the navy has a lot of airplanes and stuff as well so but um so I mean that would make sense to investigate but I just think it's still odd that it stood up by the navy and so many of these things are seen around the ocean and it's like are we looking in the wrong place you know mm-hmm. should we always should we continue to be looking in the oceans to see what's there I think I read somewhere that like 1% of our oceans have been explored
3: yeah something it's a it's a single digit whatever it yeah. is
1: yeah so Cool. But yeah, so that other than uh, the only other thing that I've had going on is uh, I continue to see shadows just in my around me in my vision, you know, kind of off to the side. I just definitely uh, opening up those, um, opening up those senses. And so I'm, I'm just still considering continuing to see stuff like that. So,
3: yeah, nice, nice. All right, well, let's get moving on to our fantastic interview with uh, NASA boy himself, Ken Johnson. Uh, But before that, we're gonna take a quick break, but stick around because this interview is amazing.
1: Yep. Hey everyone, Ray Robinson here, host of the Unsensitive Podcast.
2: You're probably wondering what does unsensitive mean? Well, it's a completely made-up word to define a topic that is insensitive to talk about at family gatherings and parties, but you talk about them anyway. It's a podcast that you can send your most clueless family members to save them the
1: embarrassment of asking these questions themselves. New episodes drop every Tuesday evening at 7
2: p.m., part of the Fearscape Media Network, because quite honestly, what's scarier than facing your own misconceptions about the world around you? From nowhere, a
0: suburb of parts unknown. Join Stefan and Lance, the Misters of the Dark, as they review all things horror with their latest victim. (laughs) I mean (laughs) guest. New episodes of Misters of the Dark drop Mondays on the Fearscape Media Network.
3: All right, we are back and we have Dr. Ken Johnston, former NASA Apollo program, test pilot, author, marine, just cool guy. Um, We're gonna be chatting with him And uh, so, Ken, thank you so much for uh, coming on the show and uh, getting on the Fearscape to to, uh, share your story with all of our listeners out there.
2: Oh, I appreciate the opportunity. And unfortunately, there's not that many of us still left around here, is there? (laughs) So I'm only 77, so I'm still young. Yes,
3: that's for sure.
1: Well, that's, you know, age is just a number, right? So uh, that is correct. Well, so first of all, i I am completely uh, geeking out a little bit because um, I'm a huge uh, space nerd. Um, As am I. I. I thought I would never uh, talk to an astronaut, <laughs> let alone have an astronaut's contact information in my phone. Um, <laughs> so, so I'm, I'm a huge, uh, huge, huge envy right now. I mean, uh, my dad, my dad is retired Air Force. Um, he's he was big time always talking about uh, NASA and stuff like that and, and all the different programs. And he remembers all the Apollo programs and everything. So I'm just, I'm really geeking out over that kind of stuff. Um, you know, you, you we were kind of talking before the show started and you were talking about what you had to do, control the lunar module and things. And I remember as a kid uh, sitting in the, um, I don't know if it was an actual or whatever, but at the ones down at like the uh, Huntsville, Alabama Space Center, as well as the ones in Cape Canaveral, uh, they, they used to have one up at the uh, Air Force uh, Museum up in Ohio. So it's just, it's just really cool to hear about all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, I'm a huge fan.
2: Yeah, you know, I was uh, actually stationed at the uh, the Johnson, well, they changed it. It used to be the MSE, the manned Spacecraft Center in Houston, Texas. And then, of course, whenever they had the, the battle and Kennedy was killed and the, some other things, and they switched over, Johnson turned it over to him, he was vice president, he had to, changed the whole space center there in Houston to the Johnson space center, but they left the T out because it's John's turn with me. Go ahead.
3: <laughs> well, one of the cool things that I like is the fact that you got to work around all the moon rocks, um, which, you know, to you, I'm sure after spending a lot of time with moon rocks, you're like, they're just rocks guys. But you know, to us, they're like these magical orbs that project longevity and, and stuff.
2: <laughs> yep. I I wish it really did have the longevity to it because too many of them are no longer with us, not the rocks, but the the (laughs) ones that had rocks in there.
1: So, so, you know, so I I guess that kind of gets into a little bit of why, um, I don't know why you probably are, are being asked to be on the show from a, from a fearscape paranormal podcast perspective. And that is uh, your work in the, uh, with the lunar uh, photos uh, in, in the photography center. I'm, I'm, probably, I'm probably butchering what it was actually called, the
2: data and
1: photo control department. Is that
2: right? Something along those lines? You got it. Right. Absolutely correct. Data and photo control department.
3: Right. And so we got, you know, we're taking a look at Ken's archives here, the ones that you decided to not destroy, which thank you.
2: Well, um, it's very interesting because every time we had a mission, they'd come back at the Data and Photo Control Department, part of the Lunar Receiving Laboratory, which is where I moved my office. Originally, I was over at the the uh, Cecil Space Environmental Simulation, Simulation Chambers. This is where we did all of the testing. And once we had we had tested all of the the lunar module and command modules and made it all safe for the first flight, and we started started the first Apollo missions. Then uh as usual being with um a contractor for nasa they started laying everybody off and i was able to go immediately straight over to the lunar receiving laboratory and pick up the same crew uh of, you know apollo 11 the first guys there um are at the lunar receiving laboratory and i went on from there just to handle all of the data and photo photo control material that was brought back
1: hmm. so well and i and i guess i guess where it kind of got weird is when you, uh, you know, I guess came into work one day and there were people there uh, fixing the photos? Is that...
2: As a matter of fact, yeah, you, you you read into it quite well. Yep. Uh, when <laughs> I, I came to work that, that morning and I was uh, well, actually I was asked to pick up some of the, the, the pictures and bring it over to my, my office at the Lunar City Laboratory and when I walked into the back side, the back area where they were actually processing the the, the films the, the negatives and producing the positive transparencies etc there's a uh, kind of like a card table a roundage table and there were uh three technicians uh two men and one woman and they were um, they were actually painting over things that were on the pictures and, and it, it was quite an offense to me and i asked them what they were doing and they said "Oh." No. This would just confuse people. If they were to see stuff like this, they wouldn't know what it was. And um, so we're we just kind of painting over a little bit. Unfortunately, most of those things, I had are the original copies before they had been doctored and messed with. And that, that's where it, we get into some rather interesting things about what took place and how come we were able to salvage and keep this, um, the, the real truth of what went on when we went to the moon. Well, yeah, that's-, that's not about right.
1: Yeah, and I and I actually just actually just today uh, picked up a copy of your book, uh, so I'm hopefully it's supposed to be here Friday or, or Saturday. I'm hoping that I can uh, I can read through it. But but <clears throat> when I read about what the book kind of the synopsis and everything, that's where I really was interested um, into. So so the the people, I, I guess if I were to say from a from a skeptic side, the people who believe that. Uh, we didn't actually land on the moon and that the space program was all filmed in a, in a Hollywood studio which we all, I don't know if anybody has seen the the episode of of uh, Mythbusters but they actually disproved all of that stuff that it, you know, it, it couldn't have happened that way. Right. But but if you believe all that then somebody could say that they were fixing those photos because they showed that it was actually filmed in a Hollywood studio. Um
2: I'll be happy to jump in on that. As a matter of fact, because um, you say the people that were attacking, that uh, saying, "Oh, you know, that you faked it all, et cetera, et cetera," I like first commented. First of all, you weren't even born when we did this, <laughs> and what uh, the, the reason why that they um, uh, started messing with some of, of the, uh, the pictures? This, this was the out, the inside part. Is it some of it was confusing because we've already they'd already proven that based upon ufos etc and things like that that people um remember the, the one where they talked about the, that a saucer landed and everybody panicked and everything and they were given directions that hey you don't you don't uh come forward and say one thing uh, ha- that we actually made contact or that they were there so the decision was made to doctor up the the pictures that were brought back that showed evidence of the existence of other intelligent species in this universe. So it's kind of a tricky little thing there when you're looking at the actual pictures and you're looking at um, and people saying, "Well, we never went there." Well, uh, and I used to get with some people. They start, they start saying, and I would, I would show them the pictures and we'd go over it and I'd ask them, "Well, so you're going to say that this isn't real because you, you, you." Uh, you just decided it isn't and and they would usually shut up and back up up uh, 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 uh well well that's what i was told i said well i wasn't told i was there okay
1: yeah so it, i gotta admit i had not heard you know you just dropped a little nugget of information there and it just kind of kind of walked on past it but I had, not heard, <laughs> I had not heard the story about the ufo landing and us not talking about it.
2: No, I I, I kind of you glossed over that. That no, there was no. Well, no, I take that back. We did have one mission, and um, now I'm I'm going to have to say this to everybody that is here. I was involved in, in a, a car accident two years ago, where they some people rear-ended with me, and it has affected my memory just a little bit, and so I, I may get off track, and you guys kind of bring me back on, and I'll try to keep it going straight. Okay. But um. Um. Okay. yeah what were we talking about you can leave that out <laughs> about uh...
1: okay yeah come on no no big deal I mean, we were just talking about the uh, people thinking it was fake and <clears throat> and you had said something about a a, a contact on yes. the moon, so but
2: yeah it, they're, they're, um, and, and I actually see the when I, I was over at the lunar receiving laboratory I had direct access to the, the original printings. Of all the negatives, and there were actually uh, occasionally we would see something that there was um, off in a distance. There was a a, a craft that was <laughs> the biggest one was where their crafts were sitting on the the rim of this um, the giant um, area there on the moon. One of the <laughs> what are we going to call it? It's what it's called? Anyway, and you could see the the actual spacecraft there in the pictures. Well, those were the ones that got painted over, but yet I had those in my laboratory, my my office is there at the Lunar Receiving Laboratory, mm-hmm. so there's um they, they were we were we humans on earth were being observed and watched while we um came out in our spacesuits and, and went around and picked up little rocks etc and did the complete process there were there were cases where crafts their craft actually landed on the rim of the, the big giant crater that they landed in and unfortunately if i hadn't known that i could refresh my memory and pulled up my pictures and being able to take a look and remember the particular crater so people might want to know about that but um, we've gone, all, gone over it many times and now um, so many of the people that were involved in the Apollo program have gone on to a, another dimension that's when we say they've all passed away and um, there's just you know I, it's probably going to get more difficult to go back and with people like myself and they can bring up the actual information and talk about how what we really saw and what was really there and what we were told we couldn't talk about. And um
3: was it the yeah. uh, Sielkowski crater? Is that the one?
2: Sielkowski crater. Correct. Yep. It was in, in, near Sielkowski. And um so that, that happened on several occasions. And then, and then there was times when we were in lunar orbit where we were being tracked and followed. And that was, Um, one of the, I'm trying to think the, the trick comment that was made from the crew inside the spacecraft back to mission control, um, basically said, yep, they're out there. (laughs) That's about as far as they could talk because, um, it's being monitored all over the world. The communications coming back from the moon for the, from our signals and stuff. So had to be a little careful about what they were saying.
3: Right. Well, the good news is is that you're not alone. I mean, Buzz Aldrin was very, very open about this. I mean, he was able to get a media platform like Nobody's Business um, as well as others, and so I think that's one of the benefits to guys like you is that, you know, you guys aren't alone in this where, you know, you a lot of times get into this phenomenon of, of anything alien or anything like that, and it's usually Sky by himself, and it's hard to believe, but when you have people that are vetted, and there's more than one. It, to me, it's, it's, it's incredible.
2: Well, it and in, in Buzz and I have uh, been together numerous times. I was inside the, the lunar module during the training, helped train him to, how to fly the lunar modules. And the spacecraft we used was called LTA-8, Lunar Test Article Number 8, and inside the vacuum chamber Bravo B, chamber B at uh, Johnson Space Center. So I, I spent a lot of time with um, uh, Buzz and and I've run into him quite a few times on conferences and places. So now he he knows who I am, and I know who he is. And he I'm glad to see that he's he's he slowly over the decade here come out more powerful, more strong, and willing to lay it lay the cards on the table. Because see, we were told not to talk about these things because um, oh what was that? Um, there was a whole movie out. There it was a panic. Um, about what happened with, with, you know, the people would panic because they couldn't deal with the fact that we are not alone in this universe. Right, and then you get involved in, get involved in religion, and you've got to know how, how to how to read and how to understand what you read, or else well, you, you know you're going to go into hey, a panic. Yeah.
1: Well, that's that's like we we just recently found uh, a PDF copy of the report that was put together back in the seven in the late. 60s, early 70s, called the Brookings Report, which was all about uh, right. how you know how how the public would handle uh, you know coming the, to the truth that we're not alone, and and basically it, you know it, it lays out and says don't don't tell anybody because we, we can't handle it, um, right? But I but I also yeah. think that that the the recent uh, you know Stephen and I've talked about it before that the recent uh, over the last I don't know probably two or three years. Uh, little uh, like sprinklings of, of, of information that's come out from the government like those you know those 2017 uh, uh, Navy uh, uh, recordings that have now been officially said by the Pentagon at their hours and, and the new you know, task force, the, the new task force that this is kind of a, a testing of the water so to speak, to see how much the public can handle.
2: That's I agree with you completely and and that is that's is absolutely true. That um, the majority of the people, unfortunately, the, the way the bookings was handled, they just about waited until everybody died away. Yeah, <laughs> and right. Just, and I hate to say that, but since I'm going to live well past 100 this time, well, we'll see where we're going next. So I'm not worried about it too much. <laughs> but, yeah. Well, I right. kinda, see, I, not the, Go ahead. Oh, I was going to
3: say, you know, and I know a lot of that stemmed from, you know, the, at least from what we've read, the War of the Worlds incident where people panic. But the truth of the matter is, is that if you really look into the research of the War of the Worlds stuff, it wasn't as big of a panic as history has made it out to be. And But that was used as a way to push, you know, hey, we can't share this. Look what happened. And so then that story itself got pushed bigger than it actually was. And really, at the end of the day, it's about secrecy. You know, and, uh, and during the Cold War, it was even more so about secrecy.
2: Absolutely, right. And and that, that is, uh, that's the way it was handled. And because it, at the time there was the, the Cold War and it was the, the big race against uh, with Russia and their program, who's gonna get there first. And you know, we've, we've lived through some, my age group has lived through a lot of crazy stuff and mm-hmm. you guys are trying to figure out who was telling the truth and who wasn't. So I'm glad you are aboard.
3: we are definitely aboard i mean we are 80s kids so we you know we saw the the fall of the ussr i remember that so um this is all still a lot fresh and you know my grandfather you know i'm sure your dad josh and people like that have been talking kind of this stuff for a long time and it's uh it's been an easy transition for us to get into the things that we've got into. And then the more and more that the people we're talking to, the things that we're reading, we've been reading a lot of John Keel's books and um, just a number of other books that all seem to kind of fit this narrative as well. You know, especially when talking about, you know, these, um, these groups of people that were in charge of deflection, so to speak.
2: (laughs) Uh, Right. And it, it, we were, we were, uh, advised about um, what we could talk about and not talk about, so that, that that's kind of where. And then you run into the situation, like I just just said, that people who would like to have talked about things have, have passed away. And, and Buzz, I'm really delighted. Buzz is now come uh, even forward again. You, see, you know, he sort of at various times has leaked out a little information here, a little more information there, and um, now it sounds I, I'm. I haven't been in direct contact with him in about five years, maybe four or five years. Anyway, um, now it, it seems to be that since the people are now able to handle what Brookings was concerned about, I think it's it's we're going to start seeing direct live contact. After all, you're, you're talking about the, um, uh, the the aircraft, that are, the, the Navy pictures, uh, whatever that one was. Yep. yep been, yeah. So, uh we're, we're really at an interesting time in exposure to reality, oh, believe for it sure. that.
3: Yeah, I mean, with Lou Elizondo and Tom DeLonge and those guys and their History Channel show Unidentified, I mean, they are really pushing this into the mainstream. But, you know, uh, I believe, you know, starting with Josh and I's Gen X generation, we were already more – willing to uh, accept this kind of thing. And I think that's continued on. I look at my brother's generation and stuff like that. They are much more open. Whereas I talk to my dad and he still remembers having a fear of all things, aliens and UFOs and things like that, that that was something that scared him. So it's like, I can also see how they could have worried then about panic, but it's a whole different ball of wax. And the truth of the matter is, is that if, if, if there is something and it is indeed uh negative dangerous then we should definitely be made to prepare but if it is not negative and if, if it is something that's positive we should also be willing to co- we should be able to communicate as
2: well so pers- yeah. well what you'll notice is that um, way back when bookings came out with a report i mean there's there was there would be total panic and everything else however there has been a conditioning of your generations and those that are coming after you because um the movies and and you had Star Wars and you yep. had all the, these great experiences to where you know uh, talking about the little kid looking he says oh mommy look there's there's you know there's a you know an alien or there's a flying saucer <laughs> and they're not the least bit afraid, not the least bit concerned about it because they've been conditioned through Hollywood Hollywood's been yeah. a, a big part in bringing the whole population up to speed.
1: I mean I, I almost kind of feel like um, if if the Brookings report was a here's why we can't tell them now, then the, the next logical thing would have been, well, here's a plan to get to where we can tell them in the future. And part of that plan would probably be to desensitize uh, people to the idea of alien contact. And you're absolutely right with movies and yeah. TV and everything else. And, and to take those, with the exception of a, of a handful of movies, um, I, I would say probably 10 or, or less, uh, that really paint uh, an alien experience in a negative light, being like the alien right. movies and Event Horizon and all that kind of stuff. Right. Most of the movies are really more geared towards more of a friendlier contact. ET, for example, and, and Mac and Me, and all those things. From those <laughs> 80s, you know that, that really yeah. paint paint extraterrestrial contact <laughs> as a, as a great thing. We should all want to do it. So, um, and, yeah, it, I mean. It,
3: and yeah, I think we could. I think we could be conditioned to want it as well. And yeah, I think you're absolutely right. We've been reading that a lot too, that sci-fi and other things have been a way to not only get us prepared for this you know, unveiling of the truth, but to introduce us to technology that we don't have, well, that we don't realize that we already have, because that's the thing. It's like, you see something on Star Trek or on a movie minority report. I remember there was something I thought, oh, that was so neat. And now we have that, you know, you look at Star Trek, the next generation, they were all carrying these tablets. Well, guess what? Now we all have tablets and phones in our hands and our computers. And so it's very interesting. We weren't all freaked out by this like crazy jump in technology because we'd seen it all before in the movies and TV.
2: Well, and that's the way that they've conditioned the the um, the population all around the world is by through Hollywood and the movies and videos to where your generations all that big deal, so that they're look out at the stars at night. I mean, you they got those billions of lights and things that there's not some intelligent life right. somewhere. Right. So it, it's not a scary thing exactly. for your generation. I mean, Back in fact, in mine they panicked.
1: Well, I think I, I even set out one day and I and I figured out you know the of course all we have is estimations at this point in time, but how many estimated stars are in the or in just the Milky Way galaxy, and of those estimated stars, how many probably have planets that could support life as we know it, and then how many uh, galaxies there are in the universe again expect you know estimations, but just with that number alone, if one tenth of a percent Supported intelligent life—that's still like fifty billion species out there. That
2: right, that's the truth.
3: Yep, that's right. We assume that they would have, you know, uh, that they would have fallen along the same evolutionary trajectory as us we don't know their planet could have started sooner especially if they're further away you know from the bang, the big bang or things like that or that maybe the the resources they had on their planet allowed them to move quicker or their brains were more adapt or adapt than ours right so why we've got to stop comparing everything to us <laughs> well, again, this-
2: absolutely absolutely
1: and again this is this is based on our understanding of what life is right so you know, we're carbon-based life forms, but what if life is, I don't know, some other base
2: life form, you yeah, know? So, right. Yeah, Gaseous. <laughs> well, and, and Hollywood has helped a lot because they've had um, intelligent beings that didn't look much like earthlings. So, yeah. you know, the, the, the kids nowadays, they can they look at something that's really strange looking to us older folks that oh yeah, that's kind of cool, it's my friend, you know?
3: Right, yeah, and you started to see a lot more of that in like the late 60s, early 70s, where it, these aliens went from just being us in different uniforms to being creatures that look differently. Um, of course, they ended up being bipedal for a while, but even then that expanded and then, you know, they changed to uh, maybe it's a creature that doesn't have a mouth so it could speak telepathically and uh, different things like that. It's, Hollywood has done a good job to show that anything's possible.
2: Yeah, and, and I'm, I'm sure that there's information about uh, how they made contact with Hollywood and the decisions were made to to uh, condition the population, the species of humans on the planet to realize that we are not alone in this universe. And it's about time that we wake up and, and, and start w- looking because we're making progress. We're going, either they're going to find us or we're going to find them.
1: Well, I, I'll when we tell you what. I'm ready. I'd, I'd like, you know, if they want to land on my front yard tomorrow, that'd be fine with me. Uh, I'd like, you know, uh, I'm ready to, 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 to meet something and have an exchange of ideas, as long as, of course, that they don't want to come and, and conquer our planet. Then I, I would not want to meet
3: them. Which is what I think we would do, which is why I can understand why uh, the government would think that every species that's out there would be invasive like that, because that's what they would do.
2: Uh, unfortunately, you're you're absolutely right. Yep. So, and, and I w- while you were talking there, I was thinking about the fact that it, well, maybe if the um, the aliens that was coming there was really good looking, ah. <laughs> you might have a totally different attitude.
3: Oh, I know. Let's get the the uh, Amazon women on Venus or whatever. That's what they're always looking for. There you go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's always some Venusians out there. <laughs>
2: Well we have made progress, haven't we? We've made progress that way so and and right now, I think we're in the I won't call it the final phase. we're in the the strong phase of full disclosure.
4: yeah, and from
2: a few sources that I still have, um they're in total agreement that um, even even the government the bookings is no longer uh, the what we're trying to use to control and now it, but the question is is okay, is it going to be uh, exposed? Just like wham, here's the truth. Yeah. Or has it been leaked out? Well, it's been being leaked out over the last 40 years. Yeah. So um, now we got to start to fill in the gaps uh, of truth of what was being, because let's face it, the guys that, uh, and now the ladies that have been in space and space stations, and they've had um, craft that have come along and tracked along um, yep. the same patterns where the, space stations were that we've had out there so we, we've been dealing with contact and leaking out the information to the public to the point where now it's it's ready to, to go for the big push yeah. ready for, that's the, I like that term the big push I'll go Yeah, for I that like
3: one. that too I like that too um and I you know I agree and I think that there has been a leak over the past 40 years. And then I think there's been a counter leak at the same time to push fake things and to do things to, to get people scrambled and the such, and that there is, and other authors purport this as well, but it's like, yeah, there's, there's real information that's out there. If you know how to look for it um, that has been leaked over the years. And then there's a lot of mumbo jumbo as well. So I'm very excited to see we're moving towards a, a more, Legit, uh, and I think this new task force may be part of that. I think Lou's TV show is part of that. you know, being able to, to heck, just being able to speak to somebody like you is a part of that. Yeah, so because obviously Ooh. you're still here. They didn't lock you up in some cave in South America.
2: Um uh, no, but sometimes they, they, they kind of threaten you about keep your mouth shut. <laughs> Which is what I was going
3: to ask next. So, uh, that's, it's an interesting lead in. Cause yeah, that's the thing. I mean, that's incredibly brave because NASA, as much as it was a civilian organization, let's, let's be honest, it was very much a government organization and tied very much to the government. And that had to be frightening to make the move that you did to push the truth and to do that through all these years. And now was there ever an official don't do these things like an NDA or anything like that? Or was it always just a suggested thing, which gave you the uh wherewithal to push it out?
2: It's usually always been a verbal in, in conference meetings and things. Okay. Now this, this, you don't need to talk about this stuff and uh, let it go at that. Now that's, I appreciate what you're saying in my, my group, my generation and all that. Um, and, what what happened happened with me is it um they came out and threatened my character uh did everything in the world to try to sh- to to make it clear that uh that i'm a wacko nutcake. They, they'd do anything to try to shut us down or when i say us i mean those that and, and i'm really delighted to see buzz albert has even pushed even further yeah so it's it's I'm i'm not alone anymore
3: yeah, yeah, it's fascinating because he's not just at UFO conventions or things like that. He's on, you know, the late shows and and mainstream media getting that word out there. CNN, everything. It, it's impressive. And I feel like because he's that dude you just don't want to mess with anyways. So <laughs> like he was kind of a good good guy to put out there. <laughs>
2: yeah he really is he's a he's a very strong character how's Uh that yes i feel
3: it's
2: exactly how i feel about it (laughs) there you go so anyway that's we're, we're we're that's why i keep saying we are moving into the the stronger phase of full disclosure and where we have people like buzz uh coming forward and then and hopefully some of the information i've been able to add to it is of some value and and those that are in charge governments who have it whatever are in, in a way trying to follow along with and utilize those of us that are coming forward to be able to uh, take the pressure off them, and say, okay, yes, we did kind of hold back and all, but now everybody's ready for it, so let's move on from there. And then and that's really about the best thing I can say is it? You, it's, it's no longer the time of keeping, because we're not the only country in the, on the, in the universe, on this planet, that has not had some contact yeah. with extraterrestrials. And oh, so it's—I
3: can't even imagine ahead. what China's doing right now with their moon missions and stuff. You know, they know some stuff. <laughs> That's all I have to say.
2: Well, they—I'm they, sure, they, sure they do. After all, they got enough information from us people—people people <laughs> that were exposing. You know, everything that was secret was also uh, very tempting to find out. We'll put it right. that way.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Well, I mean, I think it's really interesting that uh, I, mean, I think you know, Stefan, I've I've proposed this as an idea before, but I, I wonder if if the governments of the world uh, are secretly or whatever the whatever the terminology you want to use is, but using uh, movements like what Lou Elizondo has with uh, with the the Start to the Stars, Buzz uh, Ken yourself, others to as a conduit. Uh, so this is this way it's not an official – well, I guess now it is official with the task force. But up until this point, it was never an official. The government is doing these things. The government is disclosing these things. But yet they weren't really getting in the way of anybody who was pursuing the truth.
2: Well, that's true. You're talking about the Space Force that's coming out. And uh, they're, they're going to be the ones – they're going to be p- pushing things forward because they're going to have to be dealing with it every every single day. Yeah. So.
1: Yeah. Well, and, we, um, and then just just a few weeks ago, the Pentagon announced uh, the task force of, to look into UFO UAP sightings. Uh, sightings. So.
2: Yeah. Well, we're making progress and we're moving in, and and uh, I, yeah. Hopefully, your broadcast will get out to the others that were involved in. The um, program, the same as myself, and for them to come forward. When you can get you know half a dozen different people to bring in their their side of the story, you're going to have a pretty good story uh, uh, of what really was taking place and where we're headed.
1: Yeah, yeah so, I mean that that's uh, that, that's kind of our our kind of um, uh, underlying uh, statement is that nobody's alone in any of this. Whether you be the, a person who sees something in their backyard or on a camping trip. Or uh, an astronaut, or a person in the military, or law enforcement, and you see something. The point is, is that nobody's alone in all this. Everybody has their own experiences, um, and uh, you know, you should feel uh, strength in numbers, so to speak. That you can come forward and share, and share your, you know, share your ideas, share your sightings, share your information, and that uh, people, you know, people like the medium of the podcast that we have or other podcasts that are out there and so on and so forth can help to spread that information to let people know that they're not alone
3: i mean because yeah we cover every week we we grab one single uf like uap or ufo sighting from either mufon or newfork or the news or anywhere just to show that weekly we've found one yet when we pull one we're pulling from thousands i mean what was the numbers josh you remember per year or whatever of sightings
1: the the MUFON report that comes out monthly is about a thousand sightings a month.
3: Yeah, that's just MUFON. Um, oh so, wow. And that's just the United States, right? No, that's everybody. Oh, that's you, everybody.
1: But the US makes up the bulk of it. Right. They're like, and
2: I, I, I really like it. your your um, the picture on the wall. I want to believe. And what we're doing is we're giving them enough truth, facts, and information that makes it easier for them to believe. Yes. You're gonna talk about the religion con- pro- conflicts, problems, mm-hmm. are you going to go that line?
1: Yeah. Well, and what's and, – and, and I don't know um, – I don't want to necessarily trample on anybody's uh, religious beliefs. I just want to say that uh, for a lot of people, it, it's really easy for you to believe that, that 2,000 years ago, a man lived uh, who was a, a son of a god with very little uh, physical or – Real-world evidence to support that notion. However, today we have a thousand UFO reports a day or a month, but yet it's so difficult for so many people to
3: believe. Yeah, it's interesting.
2: Yeah, and and that's sad. And I I did go through that same phase um, after we did our the, the moon and the uh, programs and all that, and things started shutting down as far as um, uh, NASA had so many thousands and thousands of people involved in the program and then um i I took a a a tour of going through um, a theology and becoming a a ordained minister and and then having to deal with um, uh how how does it all fit together and what am i challenging and i was able to then take a a look at it from the standpoint of, of of religion as well as scientific and uh, you, that's just where I'm at now. I made I made the full tour, but I had to go through that.
3: <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because there is there seems to be a split um, of people that have have uh, that think that it enhances their spirituality and their beliefs. Like that side that says God is so big, why would He stop here? Why would He create such <laughs> a big universe, et cetera, et cetera? But then you do you have the other side, which is like, no, we're it. You know, and that that that. Scares them that that hurts their own belief system and, 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 you know, people as well as the struct, higher hierarchies of both. But yeah, we're starting to see a lot more religions uh, come forward, especially religious people saying that, yeah, this, this fits that. And they're okay with that if that happens.
2: It, it took a while, didn't it? <laughs> it? Yeah. It has taken a long time. But we're, we're there. That's why I'm, I really get excited over talking about this is because I, I, uh, you know, a lot of us wind up with um, or metaphysical or having you know, dreams or, or contacts or what have you that uh, we're at a phase of going into full disclosure to where the point that our population of, of in, <laughs> I'll use the term, intelligent species on this planet, um, <laughs> are able to, to handle it. <laughs> it's right. It's, I'm glad I'm still alive to be able to see this happen because uh, I, I, I'm one of the original Star Trek crews. We, we had a big special... Um, for NASA at the Johnson Space Center in Houston, they went over to the big, oh, gigantic dome, and um, we had the, uh, the actors and things there, and they did the first film that showed when they went to the moon, and they were doing archaeological digs, and they came up with uh, information, the stuff that were the first primitive, um, well, you go, um, yeah, the people be- before the intelligent people on this planet, they were the, um, come on, help me out here.
3: The ancient astronauts.
2: No, nah, well, I'm talking about the the gorilla people,
3: <laughs> Cro Magnon or whatever.
2: There you go. I knew I'd get it. Thank you. Right, so <laughs> We've we made a lot of progress since then.
3: <laughs> I'm over here like the Anunnaki.
2: <laughs> yep. <laughs> no, well, maybe <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, we. It's going to be. It's going to be a lot of fun, in my book, to be, to see it all come come forward. And uh, to where people then are not controlled by by other people's beliefs as to what they really can see themselves and what they can and uh, decipher and to come up to the point where they can understand that. And, and I'll say that the, the deity, the God didn't just create a, a people here on this planet, He had a fantastic universe and everything else. And therefore, why aren't we ready to uh, accept that fact? Right. It, it It's. I, I'm ready, especially if they're good looking gals, mind, I'm I'm an old guy. (laughs)
3: Get them Venusians, (laughs) but yeah, it's interesting, you know, uh, one of the things I wanted to talk about, and this is close to home for both Josh and I, is, you know, everyone always talked about Area 51 being like the place where everything was, but growing up in Louisville, Kentucky, or Toledo, Ohio, which is where I grew up, you know, we're De- dayton is the center point between our two cities and i grew up thinking that everything was just you know an hour and a half two hours away from me in dayton
2: huh. <laughs> well guess what it it'd take you a good 12 or 14 hours to drive yeah <laughs> well so. and then the well the um yeah out there if Ra- roswell is, is always interesting place but that goes outside uh, from the line what, what gets me is how well uh contacts have been um controlled and shut down and now we're just now finding them out and fortunately there are a few people still alive and we go back to uh and getting some of the the documentations and paperwork and things you know we're we're, we're ready for the full disclosure i'm i'm totally convinced of that
3: yeah, I, I have am,
2: been for decades. <laughs> I,
3: I sure the hell hope that you get a chance to see that because just talking to you, I can't. I can't wait to see the smile on your face.
2: <laughs> you too bad you don't have a camera because I'm grinning from ear to ear. I bet you, so. because
3: I am too. <laughs> I well, just I'll, can't imagine. Well,
1: I was going to ask you have Have you yourself ever had uh, a direct contact or of any sort, or, or seen something not in a picture or anything like that?
2: Now we're now we're getting into the really tough stuff that most people can't talk about. It's it, to me now. My my dad was a a was a captain in the Army Air Corps and a pilot uh, during World War II, and he he lost his life in World War II. And I grew up just with the pictures of my dad and thinking, you know, that I wanted to be like him, become a pilot, and and do those things, in which which I was able to do. But we were as as far as well, I'm getting a little off track here. You guys can bleep it out now. Where were we headed with this, this thing having to do with... Um, oh, contact. There you yeah. go. Mm-hmm. Okay. So my mother uh, married an, an R, uh, army guy back from Korea, T.C. TC Ray, up in a uh, uh, little town named Hart, H-A-R-T, Hart, Texas, and that's where I grew up to start with in, in there. But um, there, there was a part in, in my life where... I, I would get dreams that would keep me going and involved me directly with uh, extraterrestrials. And um, there was a one day in which I was gone, and I've uh, i, I had the uh, hypnotist therapists and things put me under and go through and <laughs> come up with the stories which I haven't come forward with much. That were uh, I was abducted and taken and ex- and somewhat trained. It was kind of a a payback for. Mm. the the life where I'm now at a point where I can come forward and, and they can say, well, no, that takes care of Ken. He's, he's going wacko on us. <laughs> <laughs> but now, um, I'm not alone. I'm not alone in not alone. having actually had had contact with the extraterrestrials. And I feel comfortable with, with the different species. Cause they're not just not just one particular species of extraterrestrials as you were talking billions of stars and planets around stars it's um be kind of foolish to think that we're out here still alone and we're not we're we're coming forward now
1: well and and one of the things that one of the things that we've even stumbled on to lately is the idea that we're not even alone on this planet um that, (laughs) that, that maybe there there's a previous Intelligent civilization in the millions of years that this planet has been, you know, around, or billions of years this planet has been around. Uh, that there, are, there's other intelligent life that uh, lives maybe underground or something that 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 has basically done a really good job of eluding us uh, over the years.
2: So yeah, and you have, you have both the good and the bad involved in that. So in um, what the um, the TV channel that we're getting all the time that we you, you can. Uh, what's, what's the Houston? Not the Houston channel. The um, oh heck, it's it's where they're they're showing evidence of uh, extraterrestrials or, or um, like the Daya. intelligence. Yeah, that that's good. But at any rate, that's that's where it helps us all take a look and realize that we are not alone in this universe. And that yes, they have messed with us as we have. Matured as a species, and we've had chances. we am going to go back to the flood and all this other stuff, where we've had to start over. We're we're at a point now for the intergalactic yeah. contact. Wow! So, I'm ready. <laughs> How about you guys?
3: <laughs> I'm
1: definitely ready.
3: Uh, yeah, I'm ready. And I'm just soaking it all in because it just, you know, kind of verifies thoughts and theories and things that we've discussed. Uh, Josh and I have just gone very deep into this stuff over the last six months. And it's just very convenient, the people we find uh, to get on our show by happenstance and that these, these things kind of fit that narrative. And we don't even intend to do that. It's, it's, yep. it's remarkable.
2: Well, that's that's. Um, it's great that you've got the program where it is, allowing those of us that are still around, that can make that final that final jump. And um, of course, I, I made it a long time ago, and, and it got slapped around a bunch for it. But um, and, and now it's the first time that I'm actually coming forward with what you guys are talking about, um, the type of contact that happened to me, uh, out in a little town called Hart, Texas, because we had there was a uh out where tc ray and my mother had married him and there's a a, uh, a field directly across the dirt road from our house that um a craft had landed and swirled and, and smashed down the 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 grain it was like a wheat field at the time and uh, we we got up and my brothers my two brothers older than me i was the, the baby of the family you and i'm the only one still alive anyway uh, we, we were going out um, to the field because the neighbor had called TC uh, stepdad and told him say there was a big thunder and lightning and it looked like something landed or something was out in the fields from you. So my br- older brother, five years older I mean, we took off and um, w- went across the road and we were jogging out. Well, being, being the littlest one, the youngest one of the bunch, I wasn't going to let the big boys, the big brothers, out beat me. So I ran ahead of them and I got to this big smash down circular. It probably would have been about at least 50 feet or more in diameter circle and, and i got to that um that circle and i'm looking across on the other side of it i i see this this being that was looking from one side and looking at the other side and then stared right at me and then i then I, it switched and i thought maybe it looked like it was a a, a big uh, big goose you know a, a big bird started running towards me and then flapped its wings and then got it in the air a little bit and then just went to sap own up to a craft and then they moved away. So that was my first contact at the age of about six years old. And uh, and I don't know whether I would want to come say that was that well for me that was first contact. But that showed that there was some interest in the the descendants of my dad and what he did as a pilot and what they saw. There, a lot of experiences during during World War II were pilots flying their craft and things we're being tracked right along with the saucers that came up and followed the whole group. You, yeah. you guys are familiar with that one, aren't you? Okay. Oh yeah. So Oh yeah. So here I am now. Um as a little kid <laughs> and then I get see well now it was that was the start of as I grew up where I would be getting uh, contacts at night and events take place and I put some of that in that uh, uh, the book of mine um yeah, what's the name of that? my book? You just read my book. Uh, Ken's yeah. Moon or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
1: Ken's Moon. Yep.
2: Yeah. Anyway, rate, yeah, I, unfortunately, I can't get to my little – moved things around to try to get this camera to work here. Um, so we, we, we're, we're now at a point where um, the things that I have experienced and other people like myself are willing to come forward because we're not being attacked, attacked by the men in black, right. as you call it. yeah. So. <laughs> there's more, more truth than that and most people won't accept too so,
3: yeah well uh, I, it's interesting I mean Josh and I have had our own experiences that we're still trying to figure out for me you know I was four years old so I, I'm still trying to find answers for that and I think that that's what disclosure will help is some of these people that feel so lost Um yeah and just scared and not knowing what it was can finally have some answers. Because even when we had um, a, a potential abductee contact us for help, we didn't know where to send them. There really isn't a, a real support group out there. There isn't like people that can, you know, it's it's hard to find them still. And so it, it
2: really- is. It's
3: I think disclosure will really help open the doors for the thousands and thousands of people that have sightings, or contact, or abductions, or just unanswered questions. I think it'll be wonderful. Yeah,
2: I absolutely, totally agree with you. And and that's I guess that's kind of what we we those like yourselves that have had that experiences, and that I have those that are willing down to come forward. And and we're not being uh, I, it's part of it's part of the whole plan of disclosure. And bringing our whole worldwide population up to a level to where they can accept it, and so that, uh, and in reality, we're following bookings. <laughs> right. That we, whether we liked it or not, we had to wait till we're at this this, this phase of the game, if you will. And um, of course, I'm I'm really having a lot of interest in research and things. now and looking back at, you know, I hope we don't have another big flood. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I hope yeah. to have to go and start, start this all over again.
3: Well, with the way it's, the glaciers um, are going and the ice caps, who knows, it might happen. I've always thought, <laughs> I, I never thought that the flood happened very quickly. I always thought it was very slow and deliberate. So, the end of an ice age into a tropical age.
2: Well, it's, it's moving. <laughs> we'll see. But um, for myself, I'm, I'm very pleased with the fact that we are making progress and that um, it, is, it is time now for full disclosure, because we, we, as a, an intelligent species, supposedly intelligent species, that we're ready to take our place amongst the uh, the, the universe of intelligent beings, galaxies wide, et cetera. So, no, um, well, the movies, Star Trek, you know, but Hollywood always had to put all the, the negative and the fighting and the killing and right. all this crap and stuff but if you look over that, and you look through that, and you look the fact that oh, you're making contact with other children, and the other thing is, are we are we that young? Are we the older bunch? Oh, one, yeah. of the, one of the older.
3: Didn't even yeah. think about that. Yeah. yeah, much like the Gaia series, Deep Space, we consider that uptime. Is, is is there this secret space program that has been working in tandem in this intergalactic league for a long time that you know, part of what disclosure will be, will be showing our active role already in it all?
2: That's going to be interesting with the, the secret space program because uh, I'm uh, a total convinced that we have had... And still have a secret space program that's going on in it. Um, Agreed. And that was all part of, even from the time of the end of World War II, it was going strong. Yeah. And um, I'm, I think that I I was, I think, I was talking earlier about how I was only like six years old whenever we saw the yeah. crop circle and saw, saw the thing there. And then there have been other times in my life where there have been missing missing time missing experience and um or i go wow uh when did this happen (laughs) you're trying to trying to put it back together because and and then if you if you actually through hypnosis etc can go back and um open up the events that took place while you using the term abducted maybe not as good as you might want to say you were um you were how would you say you were chosen or what have you that right. People can say, oh, there you go. You're getting really weird. Uh, because of the family, the experience your family's had, uh, extraterrestrials know who we are, know who you are, and uh, they know what we can handle, and it's all a part of using each of us to come forward, what we're doing right now, and make yes. it clear that we're ready for the full disclosure. And I am pushing for it.
1: You know, talking about talking about uh, time gaps. I was just thinking here, and I, this is not something I've ever shared before, or with Stefan. I don't think even. But uh, there were there were times when um, I was working a second shift job. I'd get home around one o'clock in the morning, and I'd be driving home, and uh, I I can remember getting on the road, and then all of a sudden I'm at home, and I don't remember driving. I don't remember the, any of the any of the any of the drive. From leaving work to getting home. I just remember that I left work and then I got home.
2: Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I mean, I've done or, that. Yeah. How about when you're taking a long trip, a long drive by yourself, and, and you find, oh, where did the last 200 miles go? How did yeah. Get here?
3: yeah. Yeah. Especially when that's, that's not routine for you, right? You know, right. when you go to work, yeah. you're talking up as routine. But yeah when you're on that road trip and that time and same thing you can walk into a, a, a department store you're in there for 15 minutes next thing you know it's two and a half hours and you haven't even bought anything <laughs>
1: yeah. well and it's it, cool. and it, it's one of those things where we talk about the uh the abduction if you will and i use that i use that in, you know in air quotes uh but the the um the abduction is not necessarily a physical abduction it's more of a mental potentially or, or a psyche, if you will. You're the, the, uh, the spirit, the soul, whatever you want to call it, the part of you that makes you you. That energy is, 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 is removed or temporarily displaced from your physical body. Your physical body is still doing whatever it was doing previously, sleeping, driving, walking around Walmart, whatever the case may be. Um, but your, your psyche is removed and that's, what's actually is, is being quote unquote abducted.
2: That's, that's interesting because, um, you don't, you're saying you don't have to be physically taken in, to a, another planet or what have you, and then trained and then brought back. Uh, some of us have gone through that, but, um, I think it's a case of just, uh, like we do with our computer where you can just hit the button and you can download more data and there goes the information and. Uh, then you look back at oh, well, where did that come from? Yeah, so.
3: absolutely. Yeah, a, a good friend of ours, Andrea Perrin, she talks about that as well too. That most of the contact and the things that we have are are of the mind, whether it be a download or a displacement. You know that that's one of the easiest ways for them to contact and and move with us is by using our minds. So very very yeah. interesting.
2: It certainly is so. Well, where do they think the the next phase is? Or are we we in it? Yeah. Either yeah, I, mean, I, I, jump I,
1: out. I think I think we're in it. I think we're going to start to see a ramp up, uh, a, a pretty significant ramp up of disclosure. I think we're going to start to see uh, from uh, government agencies around the world starting to make it available old files old case files all of that kind of stuff now i don't mean i don't mean to say that they're going to say here here's 100 uh documents you need to look at these four you know they're going to say here's 100 documents and if you want to dig through them and find the information it's in there to be found yeah um but i mean i i, I do think that they're going to start to make more of that stuff more or uh, more accessible i i do wish and I, I don't know if this is a little bit of forethought on their part or or anything or if it just happened to happen to work out this way but you know freedom of information acts don't work on nasa because it's not a it's not a government entity so um there's there's really no way to get anything from nasa unless nasa just releases it on their own
2: well that's that's for sure i'm trying to find my computer expert in here <laughs> it's like still around nope yeah it's, the screen's going blank anyway um well, that is that is part of disclosure. Is and, and the problem that they're looking for is because if it comes out and talk shows how they have tried to manipulate, keeping us from having information and whatever, then then um, the gov- people are not going to trust the government any more than we do anyway. <laughs> but, uh,
1: yeah, but I mean, so. I, I think also if they were to come out and they were to say, "Hey, look, we did this report. We did this report back in the '70s. They said the public couldn't handle it." we made a decision to go about it this way you know we understand at this point in time we don't need to do that anymore so we're just going to let you have it i, they, I feel like they most could just, people would
3: accept that they could just blame it on nixon and they could get away with it <laughs>
2: <laughs> well now here i was i was going to bring up our, our current president um i think he's probably in a position where he's, he would come out because they're already trying to attack him so it, it's tough but... Worldwide governments. I I don't think I'd want to be in the politics.
3: Oh, stay no. out of it if I can. Not
2: at all. So I don't. i got my computer expert. My, my wife is what what is the term we call him a a, a a geek. Oh, yeah, my wife's a brilliant geek, and I just got in trouble. I got the eyeballs that time. So, <laughs>
4: uh,
2: oh. if it's got a if it's got an engine or a system to it, and I've got controls, I can probably handle it. But when you get into all of this digital stuff that uh, goes haywire, then I don't um, – like I say, that my screen went away. I don't know what you guys look like. You probably are aliens, aren't you? Maybe. Maybe. I mean, Maybe. Could be. <laughs> could be. Could be. Could be. So, anyway. But, but, okay, yeah, I'm, so, I'm on. The...
1: Go ahead. I was just going to say, so uh, just to kind of start to wrap things up here a little bit, um, is there um, – I get at, because we every guest that we have on the show, you know, in this case, we we spend a lot of time talking about extraterrestrial and UFO and that sort of thing. We always like to ask a kind of uh, a counterintuitive question. So, <laughs>
2: what are your, what are your thoughts on Bigfoot? So <laughs> a left field question. Uh, you, you mean you have not uh, had dinner with Bigfoot when you've been out camping and stayed up late?
4: <laughs> no, no. You mean
2: Daryl? No. Oh, okay. Yeah, you wouldn't meet Daryl, did you? That's my so Daryl. That was your dad.
4: <laughs> you guys
2: are great. You guys are great. No. So, uh, Yeah, I, I think that's cool. Um, uh,
4: they're
2: out there. Oh. oh, my wife just says, yep, they're out there. I mean, well, uh, yeah, why not, right? <laughs> well, I would not want to have the the job that they've had. Uh and then again is is it a a species that it was brought here or, or are we a species that was brought here? You got to be careful with the religion on that one. Um, yeah, for sure. So the um um <laughs> What was the name of you just said? It. The big gorilla people.
1: Um, big Bigfoot or
2: like mag- mag- bigfoot. <laughs> Oh, well, that was like my 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 cousins that were in <laughs> the military with me. No, they were <laughs> i
4: I, remember, I was I,
2: I, was built for small positions. Like i um, I think I'm still about five foot seven and a half. But then the, my cousin. Uh, uh, Doctor Donald Garrett. They've all passed away on me, but uh, he went to West Point, and when he got out of out of there, uh, he was one of the last crews from West Point that got to um, uh, make a decision. He chose to go with the Air Force. And he would I mean, go out to get into one of the jets that he was getting ready to fly and he'd get it all up and running. And then he'd hit the lever to, to bring the canopy down over the top and it would come down and hit him on the top of the helmet. He would crunch way down and then have to move the seat to drop the seat down low enough because he was, like I said, about six foot four, the maximum height at the time. But most of us, uh, if you go back and check on the requirements for astronauts, et cetera, if they were over five foot five or excuse me, five foot eight, then they would have been too tall. For the um, uh, the average um, spacecraft that that we're, we're designing, our feet would have stuck out on the other side of the uh, the launch vehicle, you know, which would have been which this. would
1: which been a real, you know really big problem during reentry. I'm sure. <laughs>
3: yeah. In, <laughs> well, in Kentucky, uh, in Louisville, at the Science Center, they have one of the old Mercury capsules, and um, probably right. just a testing one. But yeah, I couldn't fit in there. I'm six foot five and two hundred and eighty pounds. I I couldn't get in there. I was like, well, that's what well, sucked.
2: <laughs> well, that that is absolutely true because we they were the, the Mercury uh, the the Redstone rocket was one of the first ones we used, and that thing wasn't more than about uh, well five and a half six feet maximum. Yeah, from outside. So, it was like um, they
3: slapped a couple lazy boys together and put a metal shield over it and called it a day.
2: <laughs> well, I'm glad that I i'm glad i I was a little bit young for that but then again being those that came up in my age group um that were there during the apollo and during the lunar missions and the activities there there was a whole lot of stuff that went on at the lunar receiving laboratory and those of us that were involved in that that um, leaked out finally to where it's, it's okay to talk about what some of the things that we we saw and that we had the mm-hmm. documents and, and I was I was forced. I saved every time I had people from around the world that were scientists that were authorized to have copies of um, uh, the samples and where the samples were taken from and what have you and uh, I got to the point where they would people would just come walking in and they would need they would want a certain picture and whatever so I I had my filing cabinets I had like 10 filing cabinets wow. and folders for every individual picture um And so then whenever they needed one instead of because if when you'd have to request the the photo lab for a particular picture, it might take you a week for them to be able to get to what you wanted and get it processed and put it out. So I started uh, keeping the filing cabinets with extra copies of the interesting ones. And then whenever they uh, we, we shut down the whole Apollo program and all, I had all these extra copies and so I just figured, well, I better take care of them. So I took them home. <clears throat>
4: <laughs> <Get> and, <files.
2: laughs> Good man. Well, that's that's right, and it it did get me some trouble. But then again, they wound up that the concern was it was more trouble to go after me than it would be oh. to just to leave it be. So I, I still have I still have hundreds of original, eight, uh, you know. Uh, well, I also also have the slide presentations too that originally some of them that got through that hadn't been doctored. So Ken's files or the original documents and things that were I made public, I took them to Roswell and gave them. A, uh, they kept a copy. They did size made copies of darn near everything that I had. Yep. So that that actually was the only way I could be safe is to come forward. And so the the answer would be if somebody said, well, what did you guys do to Ken? And right. no, nope, nothing. Nope. We didn't right. do anything.
3: Yep. I'm definitely so glad you I, were I, smart well, enough to realize that.
2: <laughs> well, that's true. And well, thank you. And I, and I've kept, uh, because I've, I've had them out to a couple of the sources. And every time I get them back, there's always some still missing. <laughs> oh, Cause everybody I'm wants so. to hang on to something, but I still have, um, pretty good original files, and people make contacts, and they'll come visit me, and they want to see the real things, and um, we're talking about eight uh, eight by 10 colored prints, and and as well as black and whites that have aged, but the information, I I kept them in, uh, most of them inside of um, document protectors, so they don't have the oxygen to deteriorate the the, the chemicals and things, pictures. That is what uh, has kept me alive and/or kept me in trouble, both. I think.
1: <laughs> uh, well, Ken, I, I really again want to uh, thank you for for being willing to come on the show and talk to us today. Uh, thank you for sharing all of the information with you know when you were with the lunar Earth Apollo program, as well as your uh, own personal experiences um, uh, when you were younger. It really means a lot. Yeah, that's to me as as a as an additional you know i might have my own sightings and again to be able to hear from someone um as uh i guess established as yourself and still have your own have your own contact story so thank you again
2: yep thank you so much thank you you guys for having me on and hey let's get together and come by and check out uh, ken's archive
1: yeah
4: absolutely great
3: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you to Ken Johnston. Uh, Thank you so much to his wife for helping him get all going and everything like that. Um, Just helping him out there. We are so appreciative. I also want to thank my brother, Dustin Whitman, uh, for the contact. Uh, They used to work together in the Civil Air Patrol in Albuquerque, New Mexico um and uh what a great connection uh for that for my brother to remember that he had that connection (laughs) here we are two years into the show uh but i appreciate that dustin thank you for uh sharing with that because we have now found a great friend in kent johnston and um i'm telling you ken when i get out to albuquerque i'll be giving you a ring um, but yeah, well,
1: and and you know, something that Ken really said that I, I really uh, agree with, and and it's really you've seen it you've seen it true with uh with that show, um, uh, disclose No, that's not right. Undiscovered. What's the show? I discovered I always try to say the wrong word. Thank you. I, know. I, I mean.
3: I'm with you all the time. I want to say it too because every freaking alien UFO show is called undisclosed, right? So, so. but or, or uh, I want to say uninvited, like. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yeah, so that show you know, with Lou Elizondo and those folks—they mm-hmm. um, have so many people that came out of the woodwork from the military and and and, uh, and civil uh, law enforcement and stuff like that—and you know, can really encourage people. You know, as uh, a NASA employee, to to come out. You know, if you if you have sightings, if you've seen things, uh, Mister Aldrin, if you happen to be listening to the show, we'd love to have you on. So yeah,
3: absolutely. Um, Uh, Yeah, anyone, especially with some clout from being from NASA like Ken was and stuff like that, we would love to have you on the show. We believe you, and, uh, you know, we want to believe you even more so. And uh, if not us, reach out to Lou. Uh, Reach out to those guys at To the Stars Academy because, you know, they can put your story on a national stage as well. So,
1: But, I mean, you know, it makes me wonder even – if they were doing all of that stuff for the Apollo missions back then, what are they doing now for, what the, are they Mars, doing now?
3: for yeah. the Mars
1: photos that get released?
3: Well, and one of the cool things is is that uh, Ken, um, you know, was trying to get into that Mars uh, program. You know, he wanted to get, it, get on Mars, but essentially they said he was too old for that. But you can actually um, go to uh, Mars... Oh, what is that? Mars-1.com. And I think there you can um, search Ken Johnston and see his video application, which is really neat. I highly recommend checking that out. Um, also, I wanted to one more time push his books, Ken's Moon, uh, as well as Regression of a Nash- NASA Whistleblower. Both of those are available on Amazon. And then he also has a blog spot page. It's Ken Johnston srmedia.blogspot.com and it talks a lot about all the stuff that he's seen and stuff like that and it has links to all of his books and projects and ev- he's got some evidence for a base on the moon and I mean it gets really deep into some stuff I highly recommend or just google his ass cuz he's everywhere so uh
1: but he also uh I believe he has a son whose name like I think Ken is a senior and he has a junior so yeah. just be sure you're looking for a senior not junior
3: yeah so ken johnston senior make sure you definitely check that out but yeah give him all the praise get those books because they're really really cool um it's there's just some phenomenal stuff and he's talked about in other books as well um so you know get out there and and research this stuff whether you believe in this or not take a look at this and see what you think. See if it changes your mind. I mean, it it may, it may not. I mean, you know, Johnson's part of the sacred mysteries, mysteries video at the Smithsonian. So if the Smithsonian thinks that he's worthwhile, he's been on Gaia. I mean, he's all over the place. Yeah. You know, he's still out there pushing this stuff and he has never changed what he says i mean and he he hangs on to this proof he doesn't publish it because he doesn't want anybody to manipulate it in any way but when you see him at cons and things like that he does presentations where he shows all this stuff um so we highly recommend you you research and take a look into ken johnston please so but we got to get out of here so that means it's listener story time listener story yeah oh nice theme song i like that oh listen to the listener story it's spooky um, I added tears. No, that was the bridge. Um, but I said a few <laughs> weeks ago that a friend of ours from college, Mel Vogt, um, had sent us a few stories and we would be going over those uh, over the upcoming weeks because, you know, her first story she sends us, she's like, I don't have anything. Oh, I guess there's this small thing that was stupid spooky. And then she's like, yeah, that's all that ever happened to me. And then she sent me two more stories in, um, actually three stories in, um, so here's another one of her stories, uh, Mel Vogt, um, and it's going to be read by me. I think I did the first one. I'm probably just going to continue to do all of them. Um, but here is another story from Mel Vogt. And remember, you can send these into Podcast at gmail.com or direct message us or comment on any post that we make or go to the website, fearscapepodcast.com, submit a sighting. We want your stories. So Uh, Yeah, so here is Mel's second spooky listener story. I just remembered I had another story. This one was in college. I was up late with some friends one weekend. I was hanging out in a friend's dorm room and we were playing around with a Ouija board. This was the one and only time I've ever touched one. We were just goofing off, really, asking silly questions. At one point, we were asking what color underwear someone was wearing. Suddenly... The door of the room shook hard as if someone had pounded on it, though there was no sound of knocking or pounding, just of the door moving in the metal door jamb. To say we were startled is an understatement. We very quickly jumped up and opened the door. There was no one there and no one in the short hallway. It was the short hallway connecting to other long hallways. This was a hall on Campbellsville University called Stapp Hall. It was very late, early in the morning, around 2, 3 a.m. maybe. It was dead quiet. Otherwise, and there was no way we wouldn't have heard anyone coming in or going out of the very echoey hallway. There were closed doors on either end of that hallway. There was no one around that could have touched the door and gone anywhere that quickly without us hearing or seeing them. Our little group broke up for the night pretty quickly after that, and I remember my roommate being home for the weekend, and, well, I didn't want to go back to my dorm room alone, so I had one of the other girls go back with me who also didn't want to be alone, so she spent the night in my room. Well, that's all I can recall at the moment, but I'll share again anything else if it comes to mind. Wow. There we we go, and I will tell you this, I will tell you this. I feel like Campbellsville University was one of the most haunted campuses I've ever been on. And I spent um, four years at Western Kentucky University, and my experiences at Western were pretty great. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, there was a lot of craziness, but there was something about Campbellsville. I mean, there's a reason, like, me and Santosh and a bunch of us all nicknamed it the Hellmouth. This was well, a Southern Baptist university,
1: <laughs> right? I mean, it it really makes me wonder if, if that's the reason why, I mean, if it's all the, the negative energy that gets trapped there with people who come there and aren't really maybe feel freedom to express or be themselves. Right. And that constant suppression of yourself just bleeds all that negative energy into the space maybe. and it, and it attracts Things.
3: So. Yeah, I mean, it's also you know a pretty old area. There was a lot of Civil War activity in the yeah. area. Tebs Bend being one of them. Um, yeah, and I, I kind of agree with what you just said there. Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you just you just never know. I just remember there was just every every dorm was haunted, every building yeah. was haunted, the library was haunted, and if you recall, in front of the library, it was supposed to be like the geographical center of Kentucky. And there were some people that think that, you know, that that had something to do it. Cause there were actually, <laughs> there are actually two other cities that claim that in Kentucky. Um, and S- Santosh and I one time looked it up and it creates a triangle and we were like, all right. So this triangle is the Hellmouth." <laughs> That's what we always <laughs> used to say. So I don't know, but thank you, Mel for sharing that. I look forward to the other stories we have from you Um, because god knows i had many experiences uh in those dorms and on that campus um with spooky stuff especially over in the theater and whatnot so
1: well when i was there for about six months i was in that little hotel that converted and it was always spooky in there yeah broadway Mm -hmm. yeah
3: yep 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 yeah if you've listened to this show before you've heard my story about living at broadway Um, But, yeah, so we'll go ahead and get out of here. Um, Josh, what can these guys do uh, for you? There's just one thing you're asking this year.
1: Ooh, ooh, ooh. You can review.
3: (laughs) Girl, you know it, too. Please, damn it, review.
1: (laughs) But, no, really, it would be great if you could just review. Wherever you listen um, if you feel like creating a free PodChaser account, go to PodChaser. You can review us on there. Um, Apple. Apple. I don't think Google does one. Spotify does it though. Um, so yeah, just anywhere that you listen, if they have a review option, give us a review. Um, mm-hmm. We'd really appreciate it. It, it helps us uh, to to kind of grow in the uh, in the lists that various places produce. Uh, for, you know, good quality podcasts. And if you think that we're a good quality podcast and you enjoy listening, take a couple minutes and drop us a review. We really appreciate it
3: absolutely and if you drop us a review and you let us know about it we'll even send you a free sticker because we love to take care of our Blake and huggers Um, and as usual check out fearscape podcast.com as well as fearscape media.com where you can check out all the other podcasts that we have with our growing fearscape media network and uh, if you have a podcast or you have an idea for a podcast that you want to get one going but didn't know how to get it going hit us up uh fearscape media at gmail.com we'd love to hear about it we'd love to have you join the network so and we can go from there uh but yeah on that man we gotta roll we gotta get going gotta roll gotta get in this rocket ship and get to the moon (laughs)
1: Uh, oh by the way in the beginning of the show you said your name was stefan gearhart astronaut i just wanted to make sure everybody knew that you were basically saying that you're not an astro
3: yeah, I am not a Houston Astros fan in any way. Right. Um, so, yeah, I am not. You're like nor I'm am Astro-not. I the not. Nor am I the dog from the Jetsons. That's correct. That's right.
1: Although you do have those little rings around your tail.
3: I do. I do. <laughs> I do. You're not supposed to tell people about my tail. Like Sorry. one one percent of us have that.
1: And I have it's, rings around mine. It's so cute. when you are <laughs> excited. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Yep, it's just like my pug's tail. Uh, but <laughs> anyways, yeah, we're going to get out of here. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and listening to Fearscape. This has been Stefan, and I will catch you on the flip side.
1: This has been Josh. The truth is out there.
3: And remember, folks, hold those blankets extra tight, because when you're listening to Fearscape, things tend to get spooky. All right, folks. Good night, everybody. Good night.
0: I'm so glad you were able to join us for that horrifying discussion. I hope they didn't frighten you too much. (laughs) Tune in next week for even more research into the nightmarish and haunting creeps and spooks that we tell ourselves don't exist, but we know they do. Make sure you have your blankets that you hold them extra tight. Next time on Fear sleep <laughs>